When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of the Coaching Coordinator Podcast, we have Eric Marty, who joined us beginning of the season on the OC Office Hour, and Dan Carroll, who we talk to every week about defense. And today, the focus is going to be on complimentary football. So, Eric, it's great to have you back. I appreciate uh, you having me on, Keith, or back on, and Dan, always, always good to catch up with you. Yeah, Dan, it's great to have you back here as well, and thank you for arranging this. Yeah, I think it's a great topic. It's something I'm excited to talk about. I, I'd like to know more about how Eric thinks I screw us up. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a, an interesting topic. It's almost become a buzzword, complimentary football. You, you even hear it on, on TV broadcast now. And the idea today is to really dig into that. And what does that mean? What does it mean to play team football? What does it mean to be able to complement the other side of the ball? Obviously, special teams plays a role in this. But specifically, we're going to talk today about the offense and the defense. So I'll start both of you out with this question. And uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Just a simple question. What is team football to you? I think that the buzz around that word, as you say, complimentary football or team football, it's usually defensive coaches being upset or frustrated that their offense tempos and they have to play a hundred plays. I think team football in some circles has come to mean like just control the ball. And I don't know that I believe that. I don't know if that's true. I think that team football to me is a cohesive plan about how we're going to play offense, defense, and special teams and making sure those things fit. And I look at it personally, like if I was ever in the situation to be a head coach, I look at it as, really allocation of risk if you're going to run an offense like if you're going to run Tennessee's offense where, where you're fast and the ball's in the air a lot and you're just as likely to score 60 yard touchdown on the second play of the drive as you are to go three and out and put the defense right back out there that's a risky offense in a lot of ways I don't think that in my opinion you would play such a risky defense you now you don't really want to play a defense that's built around blitzes and man pressures and the type of things that put the you know the defense vulnerable and the same thing with special teams like you you build that all in so to me team football is how you allocate the risks that you're comfortable with and how you know how much you go for it on fourth down and and how that plays off of of the kind of defense you have so you know I, i think in general that's that's kind of how I see team football. Not necessarily just controlling the ball or or doing it one way, but making sure all three phases fit. Eric, from your perspective, how do you view that idea of team football or complementary football? Coming from a coordinator perspective, I I think it's your responsibility to the team and the game plan. And basically, you know, you got coming from from the top down. There's got to be a, a clear understanding of what each phase of the game needs to do to win the football game. And so if we need to be really conservative on offense because we know that we're really good defensively and and special teams wise and and we just can't screw it up. And if if we don't screw it up, we got a chance to win a football game. You know, that that may be 
playing team football one week, or it may be we're going to struggle to stop these guys, and we better we better throw it early and often, try and score a lot of points. You know, that may be team football one week. So, uh, I, again, I see it as kind of your responsibility to the overall game plan and how you're going to fit what you do to to complement what the defense is capable, what the special teams are capable of, in in order to give your team the best chance to win a football game. Now, Eric, you have been able to sit in the head coach seat and have that perspective, the head coach at Reedley College and East Los Angeles College. Do you think, having done that before, did that change your perspective on that idea of team football when you sat in that seat for the first time? Yeah, I I think so. And, you know, in, in some ways, as it relates to being an offense coordinator and a head coach, it makes it makes your vision and play calling a little bit easier versus when you're uh, when you're reporting to a head coach as an offensive coordinator, you know you you really want that clear communication as far as how aggressive uh, you want me to be uh, week in week out or or vice versa, how conservative. But you know I think you really see the pieces fit together when you're sitting in the the head coach's chair as well as you need the buy-in from from your coordinator, so you don't feel like you're fighting them to try and try and get alignment there. And then the last thing is. You know, as much as it's about playing complementary offense and defensive football, uh, I think it's getting a ton of buy-in from both your coordinators as far as how important and how much emphasis they want to put on uh, guys on their side of the ball performing at a high level and special teams to to make a difference in the third phase of the game. Now, in both of your current situations, being coordinators for the Michigan Panthers, you guys obviously sit in that same staff room before things break up and things are going to happen there. There's going to be discussions, but how in your situation is this idea of team football handled with coach Fisher? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we have a lot of the discussions on what our roster is capable of. And, you know, I, I even think back to early as, as we're kind of all figuring out year one of the USFL, what we got and it even goes back so much as how we're building the roster and personnel moves. And, you know, I, I remember a conversation early in the year where, you know, I felt like offensively we we only had a limited amount of moves. So basically the kind of the conversation was, hey, what can we do move-wise to maximize what we have offense and defensively from a personnel standpoint, where can we improve and how can that ultimately impact the caliber of our team and what we can do on each side of the ball as far as playing that complementary football. So, you know, at, at the pro level with your ability to make in-season moves, preseason moves, et cetera, et cetera, compared to, you know, what we've all experienced in college and in high school, there's a lot more flexibility, even from a personnel standpoint, all the way down to, you know, the the micro of what we're doing on game day, X's and O's wise. Dan, your thoughts? It's so unique. I mean, we started the season in the first several games dressing and activating 38 players. So in the beginning of the week, when you have the discussion on who's going to be active or who's likely to be active, barring injury and whatnot, it really does put the offense in a situation where like, okay, these are the personnel groups we're going to have to use because we have this guy down or that guy down. And now we're going to be a, a 12 personnel team this week or whatever. And I think defensively, if you were playing somebody who was going to play with big people and you were going to carry an extra linebacker, you know, you think carrying one extra linebacker doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're only dressing 17 players to play defensive football, it changes a lot of dynamics, right? So it's now it's going to be we're going to have to play different coverages and, and be a little more simpler because we might have to play with a, an extra linebacker against you know ten or eleven personnel that we typically wouldn't do. So 
you know, it's probably not as applicable to other other leagues and other situations because it's so personnel driven because the roster is so small on game day. So you know, I think those are the things we had to had to work through as a staff. And then you know, obviously special teams fits into that as well, a big part of it. And, you know, those were the main conversations, honestly, especially early in the week. So looking at situations that are applicable really to everybody, that that situational football, what situations do offenses and defenses need to work together on the most? And, and Dan, we'll start you off with this one. I think that there's so much stuff we do as coaches that, that we continually evaluate and continue to try to get better at. But I don't know that we, we spend enough time talking to each other in situations and in certain areas of the game and really communicating on game day. I would say when you get into the fourth quarter of a game, whatever the situation is now, if it's completely one-sided one way or the other, then it is what it is. And everybody's just, you know, trying to finish it out. But when you have a one score game, two score game, and you got seven, eight minutes left, I feel like we could improve so much. Everybody, every staff I've ever been on just communicating what we need to do to win at that point. Because I look at a game like when you're in the beginning of a game, there's an infinite amount of possibilities that are going to happen before you get to the end of the game. But the closer you get to the end, there's a lot less scenarios. There's a lot less scenarios that are going to come up with with five minutes left and we're down 10 and we're punting or five minutes left and we're up seven and we're punting. Right. So there's only a couple avenues that are going to happen to to get the game to the end. And, And just to be able to communicate, I think, with the offense and defense, like, I mean, say we're up seven, we're going to punt the ball. And, you know, if I could communicate with Eric and he said, look, we're running the ball really well, just get the ball back without a touchdown and we're going to win the game. Let him get a field goal. That's fine. Take a risk here and there if you need to. Just keep him out of the end zone and we're going to win the game. Or the inverse, like we're up seven and we're punting. It's like, hey, we cannot run the ball right now. We're, we're down a running back. We're down a guard. Like, we're not going to run the clock out. You're probably going to have two more possessions. You know, if you want to try to be more aggressive and make and try to keep him out of field goal range so we still got the you know one score lead you know I think those type of conversations that happen when you get down to where there's there's clearly only like two or three ways that this game's going to go at that point right I think that that communication is paramount and if you can get that done and, and you know everybody puts their egos aside and communicate to, to try to win a game I think is, is really good Eric your thoughts anytime you have those open lines of communication from, from coordinators, from head coaches saying, hey, you know, this is where I think we're at in this game. We can stop these guys. We can't stop these guys. We can score 100 on these guys, whatever it may be. I, I think that helps so much. I mean, I can think back to times during the season when Coach Fisher was on the headset telling me to be patient and run the football. I can also think back to times where he was saying, hey, we got, we got to open it up and, and be a little more aggressive. And getting that type of feedback from uh, your head coach really helps you as a play caller. But one thing I'd also like to point out as far as kind of this overall concept of complementary football, one of the things that was great about working with Dan, uh, even in our first year together, was, you know, we, we would take that idea back to, to camp. And, you know, you can say, yeah, the USFL is unique because we have small rosters, but then you also have a, a 1A, 2A football coach that's, that's doing the same thing. And so, you know, as we're going through walkthroughs in the hotel or early season walkthroughs in camp, you know, I thought we did a pretty good job of saying, hey, this is this is what we need to see and, and this is what you guys do. Let's get together and, and rep it in a walkthrough or let's go ahead and hit it in a team situation or, or even early in the week saying, all right, we're going to see a lot of even front quarters. I know that's obviously in your base package. Let's go ahead and get a good versus good period where 
you call your stuff, but it's also a lot of the base looks uh, or tailored the base looks to what we're going to see on Saturday and really help each other out there. So, you know, I think, I think being able to work together as, as an offense and defense and use some of your base stuff to prepare for Saturday, or even when you're in camp to check some of those boxes that you feel like you need to check uh, really, really helps you get the best possible look versus just separating offense and defense and trying to do a scout look and and those things. Anytime you can coordinate and work together like that, uh, ultimately it's also really going to help your team down the road. I appreciate that. And that was going to be one of the questions on the preparation and and practice. So Dan, from your perspective, looking at that uh, again, what each of you do in practice and preparation to help each other be ready on game day and, and situationally ready. Yeah, you can go back. I think you can expand this topic out to a million different things. I, I think that's maybe what Eric's saying is maybe one of the more important ones in the sense that as a defensive coach, I want our offense to be multiple for my sake, at least. Right. And, and maybe they're not as multiple on game day or they don't use everything every game or they do what they have to do to win the game. But from a practice standpoint, I've been in the situation where somebody's 10 and 11 with very minimal 12 and they never get bigger than that and you get into game weeks where somebody might be all 12 and you went through this you know month-long training camp practicing against 11 and maybe they don't motion or maybe they motion every player or whatever and then you just don't see enough things in camp and now you're getting into game week and you're coaching stuff for the first time and you don't want to do that right so I think that you know Eric's offense and as multiple as it is and it puts you in some situations that we had to prepare for and, and, and there are certainly at times some motions and some different things that came up that I might not have covered as detailed or as in-depth as we had to because we saw it during training camp. So I think that when you work with each other like that and it plays off each other, I think, you know, and I, and I hope that from a coverage standpoint, we were multiple enough to help them. And, you know, I, I think those things are important. And, you know, as a head coach, when you're deciding what schemes you want, I think that's something to look into. And I think that's something to be aware of because, again, if your offense isn't very multiple defensively, you're going to have to practice that stuff at some point. And unfortunately, sometimes it starts game week one and you're, you're putting a sandbacker out there and you're teaching them techniques and you're teaching them plays. And, and hey, man, we got to go into the first or second game and we never really rep this stuff. And But just then from the situational point, I think there's a lot of ways to rep situations with each other. And you just have to understand that you can do them a lot of different ways and you can do offensive emphasis and defensive emphasis and things like that. But you, you got to be able to coach and learn through both sides of that, where I, the offense might be running a two minute drill where we play a certain coverage the whole time, but that doesn't mean we're, we're a scout team, right? We're still learning. We're still coaching. We're still working techniques and we're still learning the characteristics of that situation. So, you know, as long as you work with each other and, and don't downplay taking a backseat in one drill where they, you know, where they're, they might be on and then you're kind of maybe a little bit of, their scout team or just working the drill so they can get their stuff down and then, you know, then vice versa. Yeah. And, and I, I do want to get back to those situations here in a second, but I think you brought up a, a great point and you mentioned it a couple of times now, just looking at the overall design of things. Right. And, and Eric, you know, again, from you having been a head coach, thinking about those situations when you're putting together a coaching staff and you're looking at what do we want to run on offense? What do we want to run on defense? How much of this really can be set up in a way that it is going to be complementary in the way that you start to put it together. And, and this doesn't even have to be a new staff. I mean, it could be looking at things from year to year and, and knowing the needs of 
the team, but just in that perspective of going all the way back to the beginning, right? Season's over. You're looking at everything from the past season or you're into a new situation, whatever it might be. How do you build things and set them up to be able to play complimentary ball? A couple of things I can, I can think of off the top are, are first off, I, I went through a phase at, at Reedley where I think I had three coordinators in about a month and a half. And so on, on, on the defensive side of the ball. And so I ended up taking over the defensive side of the ball, just from a terminology standpoint and saying, Hey, this is what we're going to be. So uh, in the future, when we had those next two coordinators come in, they were running their own stuff and teaching the nuances, but it was consistent terminology for our guys of what we're calling our fronts and our, our coverages and whatnot. And so from a head coaching standpoint, you know, I think you need to have a system in place on both sides of the ball that, allows some continuity especially with the way staffs turn over from a terminology standpoint there's also a broad enough system that allows you to tailor it exactly where you want to go we want to be more of a blitzing attacking defense or we want to be an odd front or even well it's 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 you know a system of terminology that encompasses that and the same thing on offense maybe we're just calling more of our 12 personnel stuff this year versus some of our 10 personnel stuff and and so in the design of your program, making sure that you have some of those fail safes in to allow continuity and allow you to tailor it where you need to go. Now, the second part of that would be early, early in my Ridley tenure, we weren't great on offense. And so, you know, we needed to be good defensively and we needed to be consistent and we needed to be sound and we needed to try and hold people to low numbers in order to win a football game versus near the end of it, it was like, hey, let's just go get after people. And, and if we do give up a long touchdown, you know, we're, we're going to be able to score plenty more times. So let's let's go attack. Let's try and create turnovers. Let's try and create havoc. Yeah, we want to be sound and all that stuff. But we were willing to blitz and take some risks that we wouldn't have a couple of years before because we knew that we could score and beat people in some boat races. And, and so, again, that can kind of be determined uh, in those preseason meetings or week to week game plan meetings where you say, hey, let's let's be really aggressive defensively because we feel good about what we're going to be able to we're going to be able to do offensively in this game. So seeing a big picture preseason and communicating it to the staff and then being able to go back and make those adjustments week to week, I think are really important. Getting back into the situational side of things. And Eric, you and I talked about this on our podcast, repping that two minute drill. And Dan, we've talked about it as well. And you know, you mentioned bringing out the book and here's what they do and putting together the library on certain coordinators. But when you guys look at that from that standpoint of working with with each other week to week on situations like that, you know, the two minute, the four minute, the end of game situations, how can you best set those up again so that everybody's getting what they need out of those drills? Yeah, I would say I'm a fan of a mock scripted two minute, you know, during the season, you know, and just put the defense in the calls that the team's the other team's defense is going to be in the best you can script where the ball is going to be spotted. Like I would call it like buzz tempo where we're not going to tackle. We're not going to even really tag off, just kind of buzz by and get it stopped. And I'm a fan of the mechanics of that on both sides. Then we flip it and play defensive emphasis where we get the routes and the sequence that the offense is going to run. And I think you can do that as a conditioning drill. We tried that a little bit when I was at Houston as a conditioning drill to end a practice. We would play out these scenarios, but you know, they would be scripted. If you threw a, a five yard out and the ball was dropped, you know, you coached up the drop, but you moved the ball up five. Like that's, it was a scripted outset. And I like that and using the scripts of the, the two minute drives that 
maybe the coordinator's been in, if the team itself has been in that great, but then if the coordinator's been in it, I'm a fan of that in the season to rep two minute and for everybody to get what they want and to, you know, use it as something at the end of practice that can be up tempo and can kind of be fun at times too. Eric, I know we talked about it at, at length, but again, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it with Dan. Yeah, I, I think you can make a conscious decision as a staff and, and look at it early in the week and say, hey, what we do defensively is similar enough to what our offense is going to see from the opponent and, and vice versa. Two-minute drill, you're going to see a bunch of 10 personnel, two by two, three by one. And it's we feel like what we're doing on offense is similar to what Dan's going to see. Great, let's go good versus good. Or other times it's really important, whether it's two-minute or whether it's red zone, goal line, third down, you have to go emphasis. And I, I think it's really important to make those decisions as a staff early in the week so you know what you're preparing for because there's so much value to good versus good. And we did a lot of good versus good situational stuff late in the week as well as a lot of scout stuff. But, you know, there are times that I did feel a little bit bad for Dan, the defense, watching us motion, you know, 100 different times in a, in a third down period late in the week when I know they're going to play a team that was really very static. And, you know, they've they've put in all these checks and, and worked this game plan now and with without the mindset of having to adjust it to a bunch of motions and shifts. And here we come in a good versus good period. So, you know, there's obviously pros and cons to how you, how you work everything. But again, I think the more staff communication and you know that goes back to you know previous conversation we were having before we got on air about how you're building staff and, and whether you got or not guys know each other and, and the chemistry and camaraderie to be able to have open lines of communication is really important and thankfully uh, you know with coach fisher we've done a pretty good job of that with our staff I, I do know this it's better to have it the way eric's saying than the other way as far as we were handling shifts in motions that we weren't really preparing for, but it's better to have to handle them than to not handle them in practice. And then they show up in the game. And I, I think that the player of the year in our league became that because he was a return specialist and he ran jet sweeps for endless amounts of yards. And we were probably the best team at defending the jet sweeps from him. And a lot of it is credited to the fact that we had to play against so many motions in practice. And we had to build really good rules in every coverage and every structure. So I think that's a real example of team football and of how, you know, your offense motions a lot and they do it effectively. And it, it forces you to build rules in some coverages and in some situations and, and rethink some things. Really, it made our defense better. In looking at that, right, and going back to that design, how important is for both sides, really, to have that multiplicity, to have that flexibility. Eric, you mentioned terminology, right? And I think a lot of this is just structure because maybe you choose not to use some of those things, but when it always has to go to looking at a card versus just calling what you guys do because you have it within your system to do those kinds of things, you know, again, how, how important is that to set up initially that, hey, we have terminology, both sides of the ball, that again we might not do it but we have the ability to and because we have the ability to our guys have more of an understanding of it i think it's one of the most invaluable practice tools out there and and the ability to call things and, and i think it comes back to having a, a system of language that makes sense within your offense and defense that, that isn't just a bunch of rote terminology that kids have to memorize but um i i think and I would I would go this way probably to a fault, but I would a hundred hundred times out of a hundred rather have my guys or our, our defense scout unit getting their even front quarters their or their you know odd 
cover three call or whatever, whatever NCA field pressure, I would much rather see that come in live quasi full speed in a scout period versus make everybody huddle up, look at a card to show them over front quarters, which they can run in their sleep. And I think you're going to get a better look for the offense. And I also think from a, a program overview now, whether they're starters or backups, your guys are getting quality reps. If we do see something that's so unique from, hey, they, they played this really unique alignment or structure to their quarters or cover two or what, yeah, sure, card it up and, and show your guys some video clips and figure out a way to get that taught. But unless it's something so unique that there's value in, in stopping it and carding it, and I, I would much, much rather just roll with the terminology and have, have the defense call it as close as they possibly can. I don't know that I've ever I been get- in a situation with that, though. We've tried over time to adapt to the other team's terminology and, and call things in a certain way. And even if we are carding things to write on the card, their calls, how much time... You know, I know you guys are coming together quick in the USFL, but in, let's say, a typical season now going into year two, how much time will you guys spend beforehand, before the season, going over those things so that practices can have a better structure and be more efficient? I would say I think this offseason that we know probably a little bit better what we're dealing with, I think we'll probably have a lot more of those conversations. I mean, honestly, last year, Eric and I talked a little bit on a Zoom and then, you know, when we got down there, we had met with each other for quite some time one day. But I think that we have a better feel for, for the expectation. I think from my perspective, you know what you need to get done and you know what it takes to put a product on the field that's good football. Like that, every coach pretty much has an idea what that is and what they need for their system. But you don't truly know what you're getting into until you're kind of in the middle of it. And you're like, okay, this is, um, you know, when we made adjustments as we went, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like we just threw our hands up, but like we were making adjustments as we went for sure. And, and we made it better as we went. But, you know, now I think coming into it year two, I think it'll be the communication of practice will probably be um, substantially improved. Yeah. It's not like to, to clarify. I mean, our, our scout periods, a lot of it was Dan holding the, holding the cards that we had carded up for them and and just making the calls to his defense and and on offense it was me with the book if I could just call the play in our terminology we just go call call the play and go run it if we had to come together and look at it because it was something unique we get that done so I don't think there's that much preparation to make that happen now obviously some teams the terminology and and the breadth of their playbook may not allow that as much so you got to come together and card more and and, you know at the end of the day however you got to get it done but I'm with Dan I mean and I think everybody that's returning this league you know the first time you go into a situation you don't necessarily know what you have or the structure of things and now we have a better understanding of the caliber of football the practice flow what our guys are capable etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know I think there's going to be a lot more conversations on best practices to get our team playing the highest level possible week in week out and prepare and also continue to develop our guys throughout the season and Keith, to go off that too, I think as the coordinators, like as Eric and as me reading those cars and, and making those adjustments, like the, the ability to communicate with each other was so important because I knew that when I handed Eric the cards, like he had this play in, but he didn't run it out of a tight stack. Okay. So he's going to make his call and get everybody lined up and then go adjust the splits. Right. So you know, there's a few things that defensively, like I know he's got the call, but he doesn't run it out of these splits. But we need these splits, right? Because we're going to make adjustments off these certain splits. And 
it doesn't run it, or maybe they block it a little bit different, or maybe, you know, because the backside backers out of the box that, you know, we'll open palm sift this guy and, and we'll wait for the backer to come in. But this other team, they didn't, they just veered up to air or whatever. And like, I'm going to take advantage of that in the game. So I think that those are the minute things that even though they have the play, there's still going to be a reason to either talk it out, talk it about, or, you know, have a card where, you know, not that it has to be shown, right? It doesn't have to be shown. The coordinator can look at it and be like, okay, this is exactly what we do, except oh, this doesn't look like what we would do here. So I'll make that adjustment real quick and we'll run the play. So I think that communication and just that, like, just ability to work with each other is important. In that regard, looking at the idea of working with each other, and, and I'll share a scenario that really worked well for us. And we, we grew into this. We didn't start with it right away when I was at BW, but um, really started to have a strong relationship between the four full-time guys there. So the offensive coordinator, myself, the defensive coordinator, the DB coach, and then my offensive line coach. After we took a look at things, we did all our work for the week, you know, maybe like on a Wednesday, um, sometimes on a Tuesday, we would get together and just talk about that particular team and what we saw. And when you think about it, we're always watching what, what opponents do um, and, and certain opponents maybe did against them or, or what we've seen them do against other opponents. And I think there's a lot of things you you look at from your own perspective. And we would get some great information or great ideas from those guys just on here's what they're trying to do uh, in this situation. You know, we see it one way, but when you get the eyes of the other side on and that perspective, I think there's a lot there. You know, is that something you guys have done or, or look to do in the future? I've never done it. I think it's valuable. I think that there are a lot of exercises that you can do together as an offensive staff and a defensive staff that, that could provide a lot of value. I have not been a part of doing that. I, you know, honestly, some staffs I've been on, just and it's unfortunate, but there, there's a lot of egos yeah. that it, sometimes you have to navigate and I feel very fortunate in this staff that it's not really like that at all. And that, you know, Eric and I, like, I could walk into Eric's office and say, I've seen these guys on, I say office, in the corner of the hotel that we have carved out for that particular time (laughs) and say, hey, I've seen these guys on crossover film. These two places you guys have would really be good. And he would write them down and say thanks, and he would check it out, right, where – you know, maybe another staff I've been on, I, I wouldn't feel as comfortable doing that with the offensive coordinator. So, you know, and, and that's an unfortunate part of, part of the whole deal, but you really have to have a great staff culture, I think, to, to share ideas across in, in, a, in a really constructive manner and, and to really play off each other and work with each other. So it would be something I'd be interested in doing. And, I mean, you know, maybe we'll see if that uh, if we get the operation down smooth here for a year or two. Maybe that is something we will do, collaborate a little more. And I think is a when I was when I was a head coach coordinator, obviously you're a lot more engaged watching the overall game film, watching all three phases. The other thing, especially for for Dan and I, and, and I mean all the all the small school and high school coaches can relate out there. I mean we were especially year one. It was it was a pretty uh, skeleton crew getting everything done, and so. I think as you continue to streamline that operation and, and know what you have to do, building building some things late in the, in the week that are kind of simulation things or, or dialogues that you can have amongst the staff to, to foster communication on how everybody's feeling about the opponent and game plan, I think is, uh, I think is really beneficial. So 
sounds like sounds like you had you know you had a, a pretty solid operation there at B-Dub and and something that uh you know i think something that we can potentially look to uh add to our weekly routine whether it's formal or informal guys to finish things up really like to hear from each of you what the other side can do to play more complimentary football so eric we'll start with you when you're looking at it what things do you feel a defense can do to be more complimentary in the way that uh, they're playing together with their offense the first thing I think dovetails back to what, what Dan was talking about when it, it talks and we talked about selecting what you're going to do offensively, defensively, et cetera, is just you hope that you you are partnered with a defense and a defense coordinator that has a, a robust enough package that you're seeing. It doesn't have to be a ton, but just a handful of different coverages and really an odd and an even front and mixing in some bear there during your your off-season work, et cetera, et cetera, uh, as it relates to in-game. For me personally, if we're good on offense, I want a defense that's more attacking and, and not going to play base football and, and give up eight, ten play drives if they can't get somebody off the field, but be willing to be more aggressive with the confidence of knowing that, hey, we got an offense that even if we give up 21, 28, we're still going to be able to go out and score somebody versus if we're not very good on on offense, you know, I, I prefer a team that's going to be a little bit more conservative on defense because, you know, we know the value of points and it's going to be really hard for us to score. So we got to be a little bit more conservative and try and keep it to a lower scoring ball game. So those are some of the things that I look for in the complimentary football conversation. Dan, how about from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I do think pace of play is important and it matters, but just from the perspective that I want to know and understand what the pace of play is and what the plan is. And if it's, look, we're going to play as fast as we can for 60 minutes, okay, then from a defensive perspective, we have to really change our understanding of how we build a roster. Like, we're truly developing 22 players at that point. If, if you have a chance to play 100 plays in a game, then you need 22 players. You need a two deep at every position that can actually go in the game. There doesn't need to be anybody in the two deep where you're saying he's going in and somebody on the sidelines going, oh, no. Right, it can't be that, right? You have to know that going into offseason. Like, these guys are going to play super fast, and we've got to have 22 players ready to play. I think that's important. I think just understand that plan. And then, if, look, if we're going to be selective when we use tempo and when we use pace, that's great. What are our ideas on that? And then we had talked when I was at the University of Houston and um, going into the end of the 2018 year, Kendall Browse, our offense coordinator, and obviously everybody knows they play pretty fast. Right? That's something they do. And, and we had some preliminary discussions about, you know, with the head coach, can we set times in the game that are okay? Like first quarter, foot's on the gas, do whatever you got to do. Kind of the middle eight of the game. You know, we've talked about the middle eight before, just the last four of the first half, first four of the second half. Like can we keep it slow in that way? So it kind of gives the guys an extended halftime, right? And then maybe depending on how the game's going, can we just keep it slow in the third quarter? And then the fourth quarter, you got to do whatever you got to do to win the game, right? So just like and, – and that wasn't a refined plan yet. It, it would have been eventually, but – just having that refined plan on when we're going to use tempo and how we're going to use it. And, and not, you know, and it doesn't mean, and I don't really care what the answer is, whatever the offense needs, but it's, I need to know so we can prepare for that. I think that's important. And I just think that the game day communication, you know, and I, I've always headsets, you know, I'm on the field and, and Eric's in the box and headsets don't, I can't talk to Eric during the game, you know, which is unfortunate, but I wish headsets had that option where everybody could collaborate for just a minute or two and, you know, during a TV timeout or something, but, you know, communication on and openly, like what we're going to be able to do, what we got to do to win the game as the game nears to that point where, okay, 
somebody's going to win this game with two more scores or somebody's going to, the next point's going to win this game or when it, when it becomes clear how the game's probably going to end or, or, you know, what the scenarios are, you know, that we're able to communicate that stuff and, and just kind of, and obviously that's all subject to execution, but if we can communicate that stuff and everybody throws their ego out of it and just as matter of fact and bluntly as we can, then, you know, we have a chance to help each other and win the game. Well, guys, I really love that perspective today and being able to get both sides of it, hear the back and forth between you guys, how things work well for you together, ideas that you shared here with each other. And I'm certain that uh, this will be helpful to coaches out there. Uh, Eric, thank you again for your time and joining us again. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for hanging out with me this morning. And Dan, as always, thanks for taking the time every week and for the detail that you put into preparing for these shows. Appreciate it, Keith. Love to do it. If you want to learn Eric Marty's system, you can go to coachtube.com slash Eric underscore Marty, and his entire offensive system is there. I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.